It's Friday the 13th. You're tuned in to the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Mike Molina. We've got a day of superstitions, strange facts, scary movies, and some hilarious stand-up comedians. Stay tuned. That's next on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience. And working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Hello, welcome back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader of Darkness Radio. Tom is traveling today making his way back to the nastiness that is the weather of Minnesota. So I wake up this morning, decent skies that have slowly turned dark black, and thunderstorms begin clapping over the skies of southern Minnesota. Rain starts pelting, turning into ice, and now we're being told that we have a weather wintry, a winter advisory for the remainder of the weekend that may drop another 8 to 10 inches of that white damned snow on our state. So... We got that going for us. It is a perfect Friday the 13th with creepy thunderstorms and strange, bizarre weather patterns and Mike Molina and Dave Schrader sitting in at the helm. And we've got a cool show lined up for you today. I'm very excited. I've got some of uh, my guests that are going to join us. We're going to talk about uh, scary movies in the second hour, uh, the top 13 horror movies you should watch on Friday the 13th from Dread Central. We'll be talking with our guests from Dread Central later on. And in the third hour, we're going to take a look at some fascinating facts and the history a Friday the 13th, with Dr. Knowledge himself, Charles Reichblum. He'll be joining us on the show. But right now, joining me at the start of the show, 
good friend of our show, Darkness Radio, and he's been on Tom's show quite a few times. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, is with us to talk about superstitions and a topic that we're covering on our show today for the Friday the 13th edition of The Ghost of Flight 401. Mark is also the author of two award-winning books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. Mark, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Happy Friday the 13th. It's good to have you here. Thanks a lot for joining in. I've, you know, I've never been one that was uh, normally superstitious. I, I might have some OCD patterns in my life, but superstition has never been a part of that. Why, why are people so prone to just bizarre superstitions, whether it's walking under ladders, having your path crossed by a black cat, opening an umbrella inside the house? Why do people fall for these, uh, these kind of fallacies of what brings about bad luck to you? I think it's, it's human nature. We're always looking for a cause, a causality for something bad that happens to us. And there are things that people don't understand, and a lack of understanding leads to the unknown, which people tend to fear. Um, you know, black cats... For, for centuries have been looked at as a, as a negative thing and that actually derives from a, a Celtic um, belief that the cat Sith, which was a spirit, could assume the form of a cat. And then um, when Christianity began to spread into the, the British Isles, anything from the quote-unquote old religion was looked at as evil and therefore the cat Sith was evil and anyone who practiced nature uh, worship was therefore a witch and a, a cat, then the black cat became one of their familiars. And so it's just sort of a whole train of unknowns and fears and people looking for a reason to, why is my life horrible? Gee, it's because I dropped this <laughs> mirror and I've had bad luck for the last seven years. Well, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the the case that we cover in depth in a full, uh, I think, almost an hour and 20-minute show today on Darkness Radio, uh, which you can find at darknessradio.com. We had Mark on talking about the ghost of Flight 401. And during that talk, you and I kind of um, came to this one point where we were discussing a, a very strange aspect of that story. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But to kind of catch our, our listeners up to speed... The Ghost of Flight 401, Mark. What can you tell us about this story? How did this happen? Long story short, um, Flight 401 was an Eastern Airlines flight that was uh, traveling from JFK in New York to Miami. And it was December 29th, um, 1972, and it was probably around 10, 10.30 at night. And there was a whole string of, of pilot errors. Um, the landing gear did not go down, or at least so the pilot and co-pilot thought, because the indicator lights weren't working. And so the flight engineer was trying to fix the indicator lights, couldn't do it. So he went down to check to see if the gear went down. There was no way they could determine that the gear had gone down. And so the plane was put into um, a circling pattern on autopilot. And while the captain, the first officer, and the engineer were trying to figure out whether or not the uh, the uh, the landing gear had come down, apparently the pilot inadvertently his knee knocked the control for the autopilot switching it off, and then the plane did a rapid descent. And because they were flying over the Florida Everglades and it was a dark night and they had no point of reference, by the time they realized that they're in 
um, a severe declination, it was too late. And so the plane crashed. Um, over 90 people were killed, uh, and uh, although there were several survivors. Now, what makes this so macabre is that, according to urban legend, parts from this plane, which was one of the newest and best airliners in the world, it was a TriStar, it was made by Lockheed Martin, um, L-1011. And supposedly a number of the parts were repurposed and used on other uh, jets in the, in the Eastern Airlines fleet. And as early as the first few months of 1973, stories began to circulate through Eastern Airlines of people seeing what appeared to be a spirit of the captain, Bob Loft, and the flight engineer, Don Repo, on, on various flights. And some people were absolutely terrified. Some were, were mystified. Um, supposedly one of them was an Eastern Airlines vice president. And one of the stories you and I were laughing about, um, the, on, on one flight to Mexico City, one of the flight attendants who was preparing meals, and this is back in the days when airlines, you know, number one, treated you nicely, <laughs> and number two, fed you. <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, that's changed. Hey, you can um, still get a good meal. It just cost you $25 for two bags of peanuts and a, and a uh, Coca-Cola. I, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So she opens up the oven because she's heating up some, uh, back then, their dinners that didn't have microwaves, I guess. And she opened up the oven, and she sees a face looking back at her, and she, oh, my God. So she gets another flight attendant and the flight engineer who recognized the man staring out of the oven as Don Repo, who was the flight engineer on the ill-fated Flight 401. So, naturally, they're alarmed, even more so when uh, this apparition says, watch out for fire on this, on this flight, on this plane. So plane lands in Mexico City, offload the passengers, and they're getting ready to take the plane back to New York. And just right about takeoff, one of the engines malfunctions, so they ground it, and the engine bursts into flames. So, like, like we said on Darkness Radio, a story like that spread like wildfire. So that was the whole mystery. Over 20 sightings, supposedly, were identified as either Don Repo or Captain Bob Loft um, appearing on the planes. In some instances, Dave, it's, it's fascinating because the spirits seem to vocalize things to people. Um, apparently, Bob Loft said to a flight crew that we will never allow another L-1011 to crash. And then there were other sightings by an Eastern Airlines VP and by um, this one woman sitting on the plane of an officer, um, which appeared to be Bob Loft, sitting next to her looking sick, ashen, ill, and then just vanishing. So so we have um, all types of stories, and this is certainly the, the great, juicy, uh, Friday the 13th, Halloween type right. of uh, a show. And um, You know what I, I found fascinating about the story with the face that appeared in the in the oven was the fact that most of the people that were having these eyewitness accounts of the ghosts did not know who was appearing to them. They had no clue that parts of their plane had been repurposed from the down flight of Flight 401. And when she opens the, the oven, first of all, you open an oven and you see a head in there trying to talk to you. That's enough to cause you alarm. But that she went and she brought others and that they were able to see this exact same apparition communicating with them 
and somebody was able to recognize it from that. That's what made that part of the story so interesting to me. And I got to tell you, I, I remember this book sitting on my mom's coffee table with the, the airplane and then that kind of ghostly visage of the captain's face kind of superimposed behind it. And I saw the made-for-TV movie, which you can find on YouTube, folks, if you're interested. The entire movie does exist. It was a made-for-TV movie starring Ernest Borgnine. And I watched that movie with my parents. And I got to tell you, I was terrified from that age on until probably around the age of 16 of flying. Not because I was afraid of crashing, but merely for the fact that I was afraid I was going to turn to a window and see this goofy pilot staring back at me. And that freaked me out more than any other story regarding air, airlines or ghosts at that time. Amityville horror, nothing. You put me in a small confined place like a plane where there are ghosts, Mark, that, w- that was the end of my, my whole <laughs> understanding. I wanted nothing to do with that. Not that it psychologically did anything to you, so now you're one of the premier um, radio <laughs> talk show hosts in the paranormal world, in the world. Um, but so look at it this way. Maybe you got a creepy lemon, but boy, it turned into some sweet, juicy lemonade. And it sure did. When The part that I was talking about when you and I started discussing on the show that I found intriguing is, I guess it's the way that you perceive what is bad luck. Now, to begin with, the idea of taking parts from a plane that crashed and there were lives lost, almost 100 lives lost, the idea that you're repurposing those parts into other planes, first of all, I think that would give a really bad perception. People, if they knew about that at the time, might have stayed away from Eastern Airlines and and avoided flying on those flights because the ghosts seemed only to make themselves known to people on flights that were doomed to have some kind of issue, some kind of failure. So the question begins, were these planes now jinxed with these cursed items from a crashed plane? And I, I'd pose that question to you, and why don't you go ahead and answer that here, and then we'll kind of go into your aspect of, of the story as well. Sure, sure. And it's kind of like going to a surgeon that as soon as you walk into his office, say, hey, I've been sued for malpractice, not once, not twice, but three times, okay? <laughs> so, you know, so it's going to have this stigma, this, uh, the, this stigma, this aura of unreliability. Now, from a paranormal perspective, um, you and I um, um, have been on um, several paranormal and in, in, uh, ghost investigations, matter retains vibration and energy. So if we look at it as, okay, why are only the planes with repurposed parts having sightings of apparitions? Because it, it's like people that will walk into a house where there's been a murder and they'll see a, a spirit that's shrieking or, you know, somebody running by, and it may not be a sentient being. It could be the energetic echo because there's different schools of thought on hauntings. And one of them is that matter retains vibration. So it's not actually a sentient spirit, but what you're doing is you're picking up on the vibration of the event that happened there. Okay? And, and so that may be an explanation for why a number of people were seeing these spirits. But with um, um, the L-1011s using repurposed parts from Flight 401, it gets a little bit more complex because these were just not spirits standing there and staring at people. In some instances, they were, but on at least four different occasions, and the most famous one being the head in the oven saying, watch out for fire, and then the plane ends up catching fire later on, um, this would indicate that these were sentient beings who were intervening 
to try to help people. So you can look at it as, as a negative, spooky, haunted thing, or you can simply look at it as the vibration of our material world is intersecting with another vibration of the other side. And this is the type of things that I discuss in my, in my lecture series that I'm doing throughout the country this year and in my books, uh, Never Letting Go and More So and Evidence of Eternity. Think of um, we, you and I, Dave, we live in AM radio, the other side's FM radio, and occasionally the frequencies overlap. And so that may be what's happening with these repurposed parts is vibrationally they're causing an overlap between those of us living in the material world and the folks that reside in the, the realm that you and I might refer to as the other side. We're coming up against the top of the uh, break here. Would you be willing to stay for one more segment with me and we can talk some more weird, spooky stuff? That'd be my pleasure. Fantastic. We'll bring a little bit of the uh, Freaky Friday to the Tom Bernard Show. I'm your host, Dave Schrader. Remember, if you want to hear the full story of the Ghost of Flight 401, go check out darknessradio.com today. You can find it there, or you can download our free app, Darkness Radio, off of the Google Play Store. Find also the show on uh, iTunes under Beyond the Darkness, and you'll be able to hear the entire thing, including our brand new Theater of the Mind story, which is two personal stories of my own where something, some kind of energy seemed to intercede in my life and put me onto two different paths. I share that uh, today and in a really fun little theater of the mind, so you can check that out for yourself. We've got more with Mark Anthony. Check out his website, Evidence of Eternity. We'll be back. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is The Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so called up the folks at Whiting Clinic, and they helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to reserve today. Space is limited, so don't delay. That's 855-555-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. <laughs> nice, Mike. Big old jet airliner. You're tuned into the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader sitting in for Tom today. My guest this first half of the show is Mark Anthony. Mike, are you uh, superstitious at all? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Not much, but yeah, Does, does it center around sports? Uh, yeah, and I guess religion as well. Okay. But yeah, sports. All right, like what? Can you... Do you you have something you'd be willing to share, or is that something a little too personal for you? Uh, I guess. Uh, mm. See, sports-wise, 
I, I'm goofy when it comes to that. I, I mentioned the beginning of the show, I've never really bought into superstitions, but I'll tell you what, you know what, if I'm wearing a, a football jersey and every time that I wear it, the team wins, I'm on a roll, and if I can't get to my jersey that day, I feel horrible if the team loses. And It takes us back to the, the horrific Vikings game where we took a knee with, what, 45 seconds yeah. left. Uh, we had all worn our, our jerseys. I would wear my Fouad Reves jersey underneath my Chris Carter jersey because that's what brought the team luck. Obviously, it was all on my shoulders. But our group of guys had all had contended. The only thing we don't do, you don't wear purple underwear on no. Vikings game day because then you're kind of pooping on the purple. So you don't, you don't put on purple underwear. We get to the game. We're watching. And as the, the uh, quarter's winding down, one of the guys that was brought with one of our friends in the group goes, man, I can't believe this. We're all decked out in purple from head to toe all the way down to my underwear. We all stopped and we go, what? And he goes, <laughs> well, I'm even wearing purple underwear. And you would have thought, literally, that we just caught him lighting a puppy on fire. <laughs> because the yelling, screaming, and cursing that took, you moron, nobody wears purple underwear. And then we took the knee and the game was over and, and that was it. So, uh, you know, it was funny, but we all literally were so pissed at this guy because he wore purple underwear on a Vikings game day. And then I, I, afterwards I felt so ridiculous regarding that. Uh, and it, but I guess that's just kind of, as you said, Mark, right? It's human nature. We want to feel that maybe in some way we have the ability to influence the world around us. Uh, absolutely. See, it's, it's, you know, when people talk about magic, and I'm, I'm not you know, saying that I believe in it, but magic is normal and natural for people to believe in because it gives a causality for something they can't explain, um, as opposed to the laws of physics, which include, you know, which, which you have to really study and make an effort to understand. And, and, and I believe that you're in, in the same school of thought that I am. There is an explanation for everything, and it just may mean that, that our level of technology has not um, evolved to the point where we can understand everything. It's like when people used to get sick, there were, oh, it was a curse, okay? There was a curse. If there was somebody who was um, um, deformed, like had a, a severe birth defect, um, let's say that they they had um, um, cerebral palsy, and let's say this was 300 years ago, um, there were superstitions that a pregnant woman must not walk, must not walk near them or cross their path, because then she may be cursed by that person, which we know now is absolute nonsense because cerebral palsy is caused by um, a lack of oxygen during the birthing process. So while 300 years ago, that may have been the science, the norm, or the belief system of the day, and it seemed logical for, for you know, rational people to believe that, we now know that that's ridiculous. I was actually reading an article uh, that was talking about all these strange superstitions regarding birth, and that if children were born with deformities, like uh, scaly skin, that the mother must have been scared during the pregnancy by a, a lizard or a snake. That whatever the mother during pregnancy was afraid of, and if she encountered that, it would somehow imprint. And they believed this, believe it or not, Mark, into the early 1900s. This was still part of that belief system. And in, in some cultures around the world, there's still beliefs like that, that, that what your mother does during pregnancy, and I mean, obviously, we know drugs, drinking, smoking will have an ill effect, but that the things that they watch and the things that they encounter 
can imprint themselves on you and and perhaps change or reform the way that your body is uh, uh, created, which is kind of a an eerie feeling to it uh, unto itself. And we've you and I have talked about uh, topics like reincarnation. And isn't it fascinating in, in cases like that, Mark, when you start talking about the strange and the supernatural, that there are some people that will have these memories, these children will have these memories of a past life. Right. And when they're finally able to track it down, they find out, oh, you know what? Um, this guy died when a rock hit him in the head and, and crushed his skull. And wouldn't you know it? The kid has a like purple birthmark on the back of his head. Or yeah. this guy was stabbed and the kid has a birthmark in the same spot where the stabbing took place. When you yeah. see things like that, evidence of eternity in that sense, what do you make of those kind of encounters? Is it just kind of coincidence or do you think that there is something to the idea of our bodies, our souls moving on and continuing this journey over and over again? Well, I, I am a firm believer that we live a succession of lifetimes and that reincarnation is real and that it's also based on the laws of physics. Um, biocentrism is, is a new school of thought in medical science that we tend to think that we are our our body. And now we know, based on survival of consciousness studies and near-death experiences, and certainly the, the work that I do and, and others like me that are legitimate evidential mediums, that your consciousness survives your physical death. I believe that uh, we did a whole, um, whole show on quantum consciousness and electromagnetic energy as the basis for what the soul is. I, I recall doing that show with you some time ago on Darkness Radio. So um, the, the, what happens, though, is when the soul separates from the body, it can then reattach to a new host. In other words, ergo reincarnation. So I'm giving you the, the abbreviated version of, of um, the scientific explanation, if it were, for reincarnation. But, um, you know, people always want to... It, it's like, okay... Dropping a mirror and it's seven years bad luck. <clears throat> the falling in love with your image is always been looked at as a negative thing, and that stems all the way back to the ancient Greek myth of Narcissus, which is the, apparently the handsome young man who looked at his reflection in the mirror and he fell in love with himself. Henceforth, the term narcissism coming from that. But then during the the Roman era. Um, that was a Greek myth, and the Romans, of course, adopted uh, the Greek religion, mirrors suddenly became available. They were very expensive. Okay, It was a piece of glass with, with, um, with uh, some, some metallic paint on it, and the Roman mirrors, a lot of them were silver and then uh, gold, but then these glass-type mirrors started to emerge. And people began to wonder if the mirror was actually capturing your soul. And that's why you had to be very careful about breaking it, because if you did, then you were damaging your soul. Um, also, there's a more practical aspect to that. Who could afford mirrors in ancient Rome? Rich people. What did rich people own in addition to mirrors? Slaves. So you would tell the slave, if you drop that mirror and it breaks, you are cursed. <laughs> so, so it became, uh, once again, religion always comes to the rescue um, to foster fear, paranoia, and oppression. Um, if people would only actually practice what religions teach, the world would be a nice place. So, so there's all these type of paranoias and superstitions 
that come up, and they tend to be explanations for negative things. If you break that mirror, you're destroying your soul, and you will have bad luck. Um, one of my favorites is walking under a ladder. Dave, do you ever walk under a ladder? I'm never around ladders, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're walking down the street in Minneapolis, <laughs> and there's there's a ladder in a construction site. Do you walk under it, or do you walk around it? I would walk around it just for fear that the guy on top might fall, and I'd be crushed below it. And see, there's logical common sense, Dave. Um, that is actually where the belief that it was bad luck to walk under a ladder came from, because people walk under it, and the workmen, they may fall or drop something, or you get hit by a bucket of paint or, or some bricks. And then there was a, um, an outgrowth of that, is that a ladder leaning against the wall formed a triangular pattern, which was symbolic of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and ooh, Holy Ghost, and that if you walk through that, you are disrupting the Trinity. And it's, it's like, I remember when I was doing the research on that, I go, out oh, now this is really fascinating. But what it was people who were, were putting the you're violating the Trinity type thing, it was they're trying to prohibit people from engaging in dangerous activities. In other words, don't walk under a ladder. Chances are a brick's going to fall on your head. And then when you start putting the uh, a mystical uh, religious connotation to it, it seems to sink in. It's, it's like, um, and I'm probably pissing off at least a billion people by saying this, um, eating kosher and eating according to the Quran, and, and I'm not disparaging these religions because it makes a lot of sense. It, eating pork, mix, um, mixing dairy with other food, eating shellfish, not bleeding um, animals properly in a extremely hot pre-refrigeration environment where you're not using proper salt, a.k.a. kosher salt, you will get food poisoning and die. And so it is not only a matter of common sense, but when it is tied in with, if you do this, it is somehow spiritually negative for you to do that, then that resonates with people more than, here, read these health guidelines, as opposed to, if you do this, you will suffer the wrath of God. Because, let's say, in 1000 B.C. in the Middle East, people didn't realize what trichinosis was or what salmonella was, they just knew that all of a sudden they got very sick, so therefore it must have been a curse. We have about four minutes left together here, Mark, and I'm just curious. After all the years you've been doing this and, and communicating with the other side, are there ever moments where you're still shocked and, and frightened by the things that you encounter? Never frightened. Um, I look at spirit communication as a gift from God, and yes, everybody, I do believe in God. I don't. I, I believe in God as this beautiful energy that binds and, and connects and unifies everything uh, in existence, and uh, that an intelligence flows through this. I look at spirit communication as a gift from God because it proves to us, Dave, that consciousness survives physical death, our soul is an immortal living spirit, and we never lose a loved one because we're, going to, we're always energetically interconnected, and we'll see them again when it is our time to transition to the higher frequency known as the other side. I know we've just got about two, three minutes left here, but you had also mentioned an interesting story talking about how we're all unified together under this one force. I never knew the story about George Lucas and, and kind of what inspired his whole story. Why don't you wrap that up with this segment and uh, let the listeners know? When George Lucas was 16 years old, he was in a car accident. He died. He was dead on arrival at the hospital, and then 
mysteriously, he comes back to life, and he had a near-death experience. And it for people who, we, and we, sh- we should and could do a whole uh, show on NDEs, Dave. Um, people have near-death experiences. One of the outgrowths of, of that is a sense of interconnectedness. In other words, how everyone and everything is connected through not only love, but uh, the uh, but through energy, and we now we know from quantum physics that everything is on a subatomic level electromagnetic energy, ergo the force, the force that binds and connects all of us. So the next time you want to look at somebody who looks different than you or is different from you and look down on them, hey, guess what? You're energetically connected with that person. So how about spreading the light instead of wallowing in the negativity of judgment? It's always great to catch up with you, Mark. And if people are interested in getting a telephone reading or an in-person uh, one-on-one reading with you, they can get all that information, plus keep up with your books, your media, and all the places that you're going to be by visiting evidenceofeternity.com. Is that right? That's correct. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Yes, same name as my book, evidenceofeternity.com. So check it out for yourself. And if you follow Mark on Facebook, you can actually go see a slideshow regarding the Ghost of Flight 401, some of the actual photographs from the crash site and the story itself. So go check that out and educate yourself, enlighten yourself on that. Mark Anthony, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. We've got more coming your way on this Freaky Friday. Again, in a little bit, we'll be talking about 13 of the top horror movies that you want to catch and and watch on a Friday the 13th, especially a rainy, crummy Friday the 13th like we've got going on here in Minnesota. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk about other fascinating facts regarding Friday the 13th, and just some really weird knowledge that our guest has uh, uh, combined with in in all of his book series to talk about with us, and uh, we're going to share that today. Tom Bernard is off. He'll be back with you live with the family on Monday. I'm sitting in for today with Mike Molina, and join us in the live chat room. You can find all the information at TomBernardShow.com, TomBernardShow.com. Join us in the live chat room. You can watch it on uh, YouTube. You can also get the Tom Bernard um, podcast. Uh, tool at uh, all of the Google Play stores and iTunes stores, so go check it out. We'll be back with more right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than fifty percent off his four pack special which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? 
Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. All I hear is that. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina. So you said you're kind of uh, a little bit on the on the uh, superstitious side, Mike. Yeah, I We're, mean, just thinking back to like you know, you talk about sports. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I was a big baseball player, so uh, you know, not walking on the chalk line when going on or off the field—that's one that sticks out, I guess, that I did or believed in. I'd never heard that one before. Yeah. Uh, other than that, no wonder I got injured so often in baseball. I was just breaking baseball rules left and right. <laughs> I played uh, baseball for one year, Mike. Okay. I mean, you play with your buddies all the time, but I mean, mm-hmm. I played in, a, in an actual league one time in my life. The same guy injured me three separate times. I was playing catcher. Mm-hmm. 190 degrees out that day, I'm sure. It was July, mid-July, right? Oh, yeah. They call for a timeout. I flip my mask up to wipe my brow. And I turned to look into the stands, and there's this really cute girl sitting in the stands, and I'm kind of looking at her, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a glint, and I turn my face, and Blake Knight is swinging his bat backwards. <laughs> and he catches me in the nose and lifts me off the ground, breaks my nose, right? Takes like three three kids to lay on me and my coach to put the nose back in. So then I'm, I'm gun-shy as, as catcher. They end up putting me out in the outfield about two, three games later, right? Mm-hmm. I get down. Blake Knight is up hits one of those scorching grounders that never really touches the ground but goes at mock speeds, like two inches above the ground. I know how to do this. You get down on one knee, you put the glove down, you're ready to grab that ball and throw it in, right? Yep. As I bend down for it, it hits a clump of grass, and the ball's trajectory launches directly up into my testicles, (laughs) catches it right between my thigh and my cup, bang, and sends me dropping to the ground. I, I was speechless. I've dislocated my knees, my shoulder. I've been hit in the head. I've never experienced pain like having a grounder at 100 miles an hour strike me in the, the goodie sack. Then the final time we were doing it, I was the batter. Blake Knight was the pitcher, and he cracked me right in the side of the head. That was the end of my baseball career, Mike. I've, uh, maybe it's because I kept walking on chalk lines. Yeah. No, what, that... what other baseball stigmas are there for uh, superstitions that you're aware of? Uh, well, I mean, I think it may be down to like a player by player basis. I mean, you know, you talk about guys wearing like the same cup or same jock, same socks. Yeah, and they uh, won't wash their socks between games. Yeah, uh, you know, the rally cap. Um, now that's what when they take the hat, turn it inside out. Yeah, or they will wear half of it on their head and the other half not. It, I mean, it really depends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the one weird thing I noticed, and I don't know if this is a superstition that's continued, but. When I moved to the Twin Cities, I'd grown up a Cubs fan, as you can tell by my hat. I'd grown up a Cubs fan. I'd gone to Wrigley Field. Now, let me ask you, Mike, if you're at the Twins game, mm-hmm. all right, and you're a Twins fan, right? Uh, yeah, after the Yankees. All yeah. right. So you're, okay, so you're a Yankees fan. You're at the Yankees game, right? Yep. And let's say the, the Mets are up, and they hit the ball, follow ball, into your lap. What do you do with that ball? Toss it back. Right. That's what we do in Chicago. If it's the if it's the opponent's ball, you throw it back out yeah. onto the field. Here in Minnesota, they keep every ball that goes astray. 
I will say though, uh, I will make an exception because I've I've tossed it back before. But if there were a little kid around me, you know, who wants the ball? Oh sure, that I I've done that Not too. Me. It I, goes back on the field. That's okay. where it belongs. Because <laughs> then I mean I've had it like right. uh, I was at Yankee Stadium last year, and uh, it just so happened that a foul ball. It was during BP, but uh-huh. it came up, and there was this kid who wanted it. I mean, you know, could not have been older than six. And I was just like, okay, you know, he actually came up to me too. So, sure. you know, he's got his glove out and everything. And I'm like, I'm not going to toss it back. But plus it was batting practice. My first Twins game, I caught a foul ball from the A's right into my bucket of popcorn. <laughs> Boom, hits me right in the bucket. And I didn't even know what was going on because I was yapping to my friends. The ball came up, bam, hit me right in the bucket, right in the bucket of popcorn. <laughs> I looked around and I knew that it was the A's ball. So I picked it up. I throw it. Like half the audience turns to me and they're like, what did you just do? Uh, Oh, I see A's ball. It's not yeah. the Twins. Why do I want it, right? Yep. Now, I guess, again, if, if you're up there and it's you know the opposing team and you've got a guy up there that's a slugger, that's a world-renowned yeah. baseball player, maybe you keep their foul ball. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. But, yeah, if it's just some sluggo I could care less about. And if it were a historic or monumental you know, home run or hit or whatever the case may be, I mean, usually in those cases the right. player wants the ball and then somebody from the staff will or the stadium will come and find Locate you. Locate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some big bucks that trade hands in those. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like uh, seven years ago, I think, uh, Derek Jeter hit his 3,000th hit, and uh, it just so happened it was a home run, and some guy caught it, and he actually gave it back. He did not want any money, recognition, anything like that. So, But then you, you hear about people like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they were doing their thing. Um, people would catch you know home runs. Well, there's the news, too. I guess McGuire's coming out saying, hey, I, even if I wasn't using enhancement yeah. performance drugs, I would have still got that 70. Now, yeah. do you think there should be an asterisk? I mean, there, there, he, because what he was using at the time wasn't outlawed officially, right? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, he was not the only one. And it, it, it's, uh, I don't know, I go back and forth because I am a big baseball fan. But, I mean, I guess it's just that was the era. And uh, But when yeah. it comes down to entertainment like that, do you just want to go watch a bunch of grounders and pop-up flies? I don't care what you're using. Knock the ball mm-hmm. out of the – make it exciting to watch a game. Yeah. That's become the problem for me with baseball. It's, unless I go to a live game, I can't watch baseball on TV. Okay. I will watch like the World Series. I'll watch the last inning of the last game because, to me, that's like basketball. All you need to do is watch the last two minutes of any basketball game, and that's really where it comes down to mm-hmm. is that last two minutes of, of how it's going to all parlay. Uh, well, there's some bad news on Friday the 13th. SUV flipped on highway in a scary night for Will Ferrell, 50-year-old actor released from hospital after Thursday night accident. Three others were injured. Ron Burgundy lives to charm us another day. Actor Will Ferrell was in a serious car crash Thursday night, so not officially Friday the 13th, in Orange County, California, with a 30-second video recorded by LAOC.TV, and now on TMZ showing a dented-up black SUV with shattered windows after the accident. The Hollywood Reporter and Los Angeles Times report that the SUV flipped after being sideswiped by a Toyota. Do you want to admit that out loud? No. <laughs> so how did that? You're, you want to be like, OJ pulled in front of you and skidded to a halt, right? That's what sent you into a flip over in your SUV. Not that a boop, boop, Toyota came up in front of you. <laughs> I hope it was like a Tercel or something really humiliating. 
Uh, that was 11 p.m. on Interstate 5, which, of course, out in California, that would be 1 a.m. here. So it, it does fit into the Friday the 13th category. Inside the SUV was Will Ferrell, who was the passenger, and three others. The video clip shows the 50-year-old funny man talking on a phone while being loaded into an ambulance on a stretcher. Farrell had been in San Diego earlier that evening to appear at a Funny or Die event, per the Washington Post. No one in Farrell's vehicle appears to have suffered life-threatening injuries, and Farrell himself has already been released from the hospital, his rep tells TMZ. It's not clear if anyone was injured in the Toyota that hit the SUV, although TMZ reported on open beer bottles being spotted on the road at the site of the crash. Cops say neither alcohol nor drugs played any part in the crash and no arrests have been made though they're still looking into the accident and then we've got one other uh, tragedy here on, on friday the 13th after passengers fall ship continues with a heavy heart a 47 year old woman is missing and presumed lost in a remote part of the south pacific after an unexplained fall from a cruise ship that's what operator P&O Cruises says. The Pacific Dawn immediately turned around to search for the woman after she fell from the ship in the Coral Sea almost 200 miles off New Caledonia, but they couldn't spot any trace of her, the BBC reports. After hours of searching in rough seas and high winds, the captain told passengers, with a heavy heart, they had made the extremely difficult decision to continue our journey toward Brisbane. Reports the Courier Mail, the woman who was from Brisbane is believed to have been traveling on the week-long cruise with her husband and children. It's horrendous here on the ship, tweeted passenger Jonathan Teveth. Ship going round and round searching. The Australian Maritime Safety Authority says the search was called off because the time frame of survivability was quite limited due to the weather conditions that included 4-meter, that's 13-foot swells. 30 knot winds and darkness. And because we knew the missing passenger was not wearing a life jacket, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation reports, police say they do not appear to be any suspicious circumstances at this time, but investigators will meet the ship when it arrives in Brisbane early Sunday. Some passengers say the woman went outside to be seasick and was knocked overboard by a freak wave, though others have given conflicting reports. If you're feeling seasick, I think the safest place for you is in your cabin, huddled yeah. over the porcelain god. Yep. Right? <laughs> Why would you – I'm going to go lean over the, the railing. Nothing good can come from that. Has she never watched one movie in her life? <laughs> Have you ever been on a cruise ship? Yeah, once. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, uh, well, I was uh, there for a fraternity conference. So there was about uh, 2,000, give or take, or – I. I can't remember but uh we took up a good size of the uh onboard population it was you know i you could tell the disappointment by the families and other people <laughs> when we were boarding in miami because it was around the caribbean and it was like oh great we have to share the ship with you know drunk frat guys well as it should be yeah <laughs> how was it was it pretty uneventful for the trip though i mean bad weather anything wrong um nope everything was i think normal i mean I it was my only Time on a cruise ship, everybody was happy once we hit international waters because they could gamble. I, th I remember that being a big thing. I've been on th three, uh, three or four cruises in my life, and I've never had any issue. We had one night of bad weather, but where I was stationed in the middle of the ship, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like one of those small staterooms in the middle of the ship with no window, I couldn't tell. Uh, but I was talking to the staff the next day, and I was like, oh, how did it go? He goes, oh, this is nothing. If you would have been on the ship last week, it was murder. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we had such bad weather that we had to line the stairs up and down with 
vomit bags. Oh, because people were just dropping to their knees and, and hurling throughout the entire uh, like four four days of the cruise because they hit bad weather. So, and have you ever seen those videos on? Like YouTube, where the people are videotaping inside, and you see the swells coming up over the side of oh. these cruise ships. No. Oh my uh. God, Mike, it's horrifying. As I say this, I'm going on a cruise later on this year with my wife. Uh-huh. We're going on the Jericho Rock and Rager cruise. Okay. Uh, Chris Jericho from the WWE. He's got a bunch of wrestling legends and superstars, some rock bands, some comedians, and uh, we're the paranormal contingent. We're going to be going in October. Tim and I will be doing some paranormal talks and such on the ship. But uh, yeah, we get to go. I, I've never had any kind of issue. No, I mean, I think one of the biggest issues, the only issue that I could think of now is that when I think our last port was in uh, Cozumel and uh, there was some issue of getting all the guys back because there were, you know, it was, we were in a, all of us went out and found cheap drinks and beers and everything like that. And, you know, for guys who were not 21, it was a big deal because, you know, you could do it. And then it was just a matter of like making sure everybody got back to port to board to go home <laughs> and it was like hey you know we're missing 50 100 guys and it's like come on like we're holding up the whole ship uh so that was the only thing that came up i had uh, one of the ports of call that we stopped into at, at nighttime they're like we're just going to be here for about four hours go on out and i hung out with this little group and they're like let's go watch there's this local dinner nightclub and they do dances from around the world which sounded about as appealing to me as watching wallpaper paste, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll go with them. I'll tell you what, the show was amazing. But these guys knew their audience. They knew that we were kind of captive from the ship. And they were great. And they these guys were tall, lanky dancers. And the women were beautiful and all gowned up. And they're all standing on stage at the beginning of the show talking to us. And they go... Um, how many people are here are, are part of the cruise ship? And most of the audience raises their hand. And all at the same time, every one of the, the dancers dip to the left. <laughs> and we all grab our tables. And he goes, that's how we know who's really been on a cruise ship. Because you get that little sense of the motion. You don't even realize that it's doing that until you're on that solid ground again. You kind of have that wobbly yeah. <laughs> sea legs that uh, that are going on. But that was um, that was one of the fun moments for us to go out there. But, I've, yeah. I've also been out there. I don't know if you fall. Have you ever? Those are tall ships. Oh yeah, you're you're done. I can't it's, believe that you could survive a fall, and especially if you don't know how to fall properly. Yeah. If you if you end up belly flopping or falling on your back, and most people are twisting in the wind, I can't I can't guess that there's many people that are going to survive that kind of fall because some of those are like thirty stories tall. Oh yeah. Especially if you add on to you know if it's dark. Or, uh, you know, you are out there by yourself and you fall over. Mm-hmm. There's no one to alert anybody. And I wonder how many people fell over after Titanic trying to do that little up on the bow of the ship or up against the railing of the ship, the whole <laughs> I'm the king of the world thing. I wonder how many accidents occurred after that that had never happened before on cruise ships. Oh, what? Well, and I mean, like you said, 30 stories is 30 stories. It doesn't right. matter. I mean, you're done. But also, I mean, you think about the the Titanic. I mean, if depending on where you are in the world, too, mm-hmm. if you were to fall in the North Atlantic in winter, then you're – Yeah. Oh, yeah hypothermia is going to hit you, like, I think in less than five minutes, right? Yeah, something you're, like You're that. pretty yeah. much just yeah. a bobber, bobber at that point. Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm going to go on the big cruise. And if you want information, you can look up JerichoCruise.com. If your idea of fun is hanging out with a bunch of wrestlers, paranormal people, musicians, and comedians, go check out JerichoCruise.com and join us. I'll be on board. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more to discuss right here on the Tom Bernard Show.